Okay. Recording on Zoom. Uh, yeah. Everyone show it's recording. Yep. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay. Fortunately, that's exactly where we froze the lights. How do I go to the next slide? No, I got the arrow this time. Where do I push it to get to the next slide? Okay, here we go. Okay, so welcome again to another uh, Bible study on the way. Hallelujah. And uh, this is one in a series of teachings about the commandments, words, and sayings of our Messiah and King Yahushua, whose words are recorded in uh, John 14 6, whose words confirm that Yahushua is the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through him, through him. I have a thought for meditation for you. It started here for today's study. It's found in Judges 2.17. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. And obeying the commandments of Yahuwah, they did not do so. Notice that uh, our patriarchs knew the way, but didn't walk it. So we're blessed to be part of a community known as Bet Yeshurun Assembly. It's led by pastors diligently studying the scripture and revealing to us the way which Yah shows to him. Hallelujah. So all praises to the Most High Elohim for that blessing. And I do want to uh, advise you that this study is built upon the canon of scripture, which is the uh, ancient, as this group well knows, it's the ancient inspired writings about Israel's origin, history, and future. And that word canon, the English word, is also in the Greek, also as canon, in Hebrew as kanath, and it describes a measuring stick or a reed. So that's what we're comparing ourselves up against this measuring stick, this reed. And uh, the scripture we're going to be using is the, our Bible, and it's going to be the New King James Version, primarily which you'll see passages in this presentation. But uh, I do include some uh, King James uh, Apocrypha, which appeared in the original King James Version. I want to bring also up to your attention this passage from Acts 17.11. These Bereans were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That Greek word uh, for, the, for their city, Berea, uh, where those Bible students back uh, 2,000 years ago were living, describes a well-watered place. And indeed, may we be a people well-watered with the heavenly counsel of our heaven, of our Father. This study will also utilize the Bible resources shown here, Strong's Concordance. There's Greek lexicon, Smith's Bible Dictionary, 
and they do rely upon a uh, work from the king written by Obadiah Elohim, and highly encourage you to, to get a copy of that book if you haven't gotten one and, and read it yet. Now, this Bible study is going to focus on understanding parables, and uh, the verse that I'll call your attention to, it's Matthew 13, verse 10, in the King James Version. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? And I've heard some people say they wish they, that Yeshua spoke in more clear terms, and they want to do the, the right uh, thing, but, but can't understand his teachings. Uh, the disciples wondered about that, too, as you can see there. Indeed, it's hard work to reach an understanding of our Messiah's sayings. But I consider the group here, uh, and those watching online, to be like those disciples. So permit me to share a definition of what it means to be a uh, disciple. This is coming from Strong's. And I know some of you will like pictures, so you can look at this online you, uh, on our YouTube site later and take a look at that, which shows... Uh, a group of disciples sitting around the uh, artist rendition of uh, the Messiah, and they're all listening to him, He's speaking to them. It's a wonderful setting. It kind of reminds me of where we're out here. We're outdoors. So this is a um, beautiful passage to, uh, to talk about. In fact, that word disciple, in the Greek, it's mathetes, and it means a learner and a, or a pupil. And John 15, 8, keep this passage in mind is first by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples we got a quick quiz for this group what's the first fruit that the father's looking for hallelujah this is a sharp group you're absolutely correct and there it is in galatians 5 22 verses and 23 look at that but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We'll also include for later study, you can go and look up that, uh, that picture there for, uh, of a tree. And it has all those different fruits on there. Uh, and what does a tree represent in scripture? People, right. And good. And so, yes, the disciples are, are those people specifically that he was encouraging to glorify the Father with those. And when those sprout, um, it's a wonderful thing in, in Yasek because he's looking for that. But I want you to keep in mind that these are supernatural fruits. These, um, these are so unlike the typical um, normal human behaviors that you're going to see. These, these are truly supernatural. These are truly spiritual fruit. And so when these sprout on disciples, Yahuwah Elohim notices. And I, can, and I can assure you he's smiling. Well, that begs a, another question. Are there any modern day disciples out there? Seeing some heads nodding and that's and I know there are many here uh, on this ground. So here's a tip for the rest of this festival. And uh, if you're looking on the, on the screen, you can see it. It says exercise daily, walk with Yahuwah. Now I noticed some of you have been doing some great exercising during this, this uh, 
camping experience that you're going through and that your bodies are getting a great workout. But this is talking about giving your soul some exercise too. And, uh, and I know I, when I asked the question of who was keeping up with their, their readings, that I also saw some hands on that, and then that's hallelujah. And I just want to say that's extremely difficult to do in this kind of environment. And I was just coming up with some of the things. It's, it's a beautiful environment, so you're going to be distracted, first off. Uh, but you're out in the fresh air. you got cool, damp mornings, early nightfall in the camp after the sun sets. You got movie nights, you got campfires, and the list could go on and on on the, on the things that could keep you from focusing on the word. But so my next question is, how many of you found a quiet spot to read your Bibles, to find a place where it's just yourself, you a, a closet, I call that a yacht closet, just hang out there and, and read it. So I pray that all of you find such a spot and that, um, that you, uh, you do that and exercise with the word because this is a group of disciples and, I, and I'm posting up here uh, this time the definition is from Thayer's Greek lexicon. Uh, disciples are all those who confess Yahushua as the Messiah. Now, in modern terminology, a lot of people refer to them as Christians, but uh, key part, and that's, that's actually right out of Thayer's lexicon. They refer to them as Christians. But take a look at this uh, quote from Matthew 16 verses 15 through 16. Who do you, and he's referring to the disciples, say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living Elohim. So again, he is confessing Yahushua as his Messiah. And then there's another passage I found. This one is in Acts 11, 26. It came out of the Hallelujah Scriptures. And it came to be that for an entire year, they came together in the assembly, the ecclesia, and taught large numbers in the Talmudim. The Hebrew word for disciples were called Mashiachim, or Messianics in Antioch. So um, that term has been around for over 2,000 years. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's they are confessing Yahushua. And, and there's, I also dug up, Every once in a while, I encourage you to look up these uh, locations, these names, because every once in a while, you'll find just a gem. So this time I went through and went through the exercise, and I checked out what that word Antioch meant, and it comes from Antiochus, which means an opponent. So I want you to picture what that is telling us, is that these Christians, if you call them that, or these uh, disciples, these Talmudim, these Messianics were located in a, in a place where they were being opposed. They were so, surrounded by opponents. So if you feel that you're running into opposition, you're not feeling, you feel like, boy, you're always pushing against the, the, the upstream. Everyone else is coming downstream. You're going upstream. Um, you're in a good place. You really are more than likely doing the, the right thing. Because if you're flowing with the rest of them, you're probably, if you're not facing any opposition, there's a good, that's a sign you're probably not where Yah would like you to be. You should be facing some opposition. So what else does Thayer's Greek lexicon now say about the word parable? Metaphorically, it's a comparison of one thing with another. It's a likeness, a similitude. And uh, some, for some of you, this is going to be a um, uh, maybe a repeat on some things. And, and I don't want you to feel that, you know, it's all you've heard it all before. Because sometimes it's a good thing to review, especially at these festivals. I like to go back and review 
some of the previous lessons and some of the previous learnings, uh, especially for the young people, that this is an opportunity for them to, uh, to continue to, uh, to grow. And so metaphorically, it's, uh, it's a comparison. And you see that in Matthew 24, 32. Learn this parable from the fig tree. When this branch has already become tender, and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. See the comparison there? Fig tree, leaves, summer. It's comparing that. Another example is uh, a parable is also an example by which a doctrine or a precept is illustrated. You can see this in Mark 3, verse 23. So he called to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? So he was teaching in parables. And that was his question to them. And so, so it's important you learn and learn how to understand parables. Uh, a narrative, another thing, another definition that's coming out of Thayer's, it's a narrative. It's fictitious, but agrees to the laws and usages of human life, which either the duties of men or the things of Elohim, particularly the nature and history of Elohim's kingdom, are figuratively portrayed. The passage is... The passage that's supported by that is Matthew 13, 3. Apologize for blowing people's ears with that one. It took me out too. Um, Matthew 13, 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. So I want you to get the, the message. That's how he spoke to his disciples. And he's speaking to us the same way. So it's also an instructive saying involving some likeness or comparison and having a perceptive. That's, uh, in other words, that's a rule of action or an admonitory, which is a warning force. So I put those parentheses in there because sometimes the words you read in Thayer's is uh, not real clear. So I'm giving you uh, what I dug up on that one. Now, this passage I found, this is actually from an apocryphal book. It's Sirach 1326. Awesome book. It's a King James version of it. A cheerful countenance is a token of a heart that is in prosperity. And the finding out of parables is a wearisome labor of the mind. So that, that was just like, uh, okay, now I'm beginning to understand why people uh, have trouble with, with parables because it is work. So if you're not finding yourself working to understand a parable, you're just looking for the quick answer and uh, you're, you're gonna miss it. It really is work. So we're gonna practice today. That's all, that's all this is about is some practice showing you how to do that. Um, it's also a proverb. Parable can be a proverb. You find this in Ezekiel 18.2. What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So what I want you to recognize there is these parables were around from the, <laughs> the very beginning. What we call the Old Testament, they are in there. And in fact, I, I think you probably could make a strong case that the entire Bible is a, is a parable and you really have to work hard to dig things out um, and, and come to understand them. But this is a diligent group, uh, a diligent group of disciples. So we're going to look at one. We're going to do that a parable on a sower. And here it is in Matthew 3. It's found in Matthew 3, 13, verses 3 through 9. 
And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'll call your attention to that last verse. That's uh, 13.9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if, if you don't have ears, or if you don't have, if you can't hear, this parable isn't for you. But I do know everyone's got, can hear, because I don't, I don't recognize anyone that's physically deaf. So I just want you to get the understanding that if you're physically deaf, you are at a disadvantage. We know that from society and everything else. But it's also got a spiritual implication, too. Somebody that is deaf, you're having trouble hearing. So let's go dig a little bit deeper into what that word hear means. It's a cool in the Greek G191 in the Strong's numbering system, and it means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, not deaf. That we know. It also says to attend to, consider what is said, perceive the sense of what is said. This is coming from uh, this passage here is James 2.5. And he goes, listen, my brethren, hear, my brethren, has Elohim not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? So that word akul is, appears there. So in different translations, you'll see it translated differently. Here's one out of uh, Matthew 13, verse 15, in the New King James. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with eyes and hear with ears, lest they should understand with hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. So again, the importance of having hearing ears. To get by hearing, it means you learn, you find something out. This is uh, brought out in passage from John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. I want you to think about that, because what he's saying there, he considers disciples his friends after he's been speaking to them and sharing the things that he's learned from his father. But we're getting the same lessons, but we're getting it through our Bible. So if you're, if you're hearing, if you're coming to understand what you're reading, you're hearing just like those disciples. So more from Thayer's Greek lexicon about the word here means to give ear to a teaching or to a teacher. That teacher for this group is Yeshua HaMashiach. Matthew 10, 14 says, whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So recall what he asked his disciples to do, to go out and teach and to share with others the good news, what they were hearing. So they had to hear him first. And then he already said, well, not everyone's going to hear you either when you go out there. And if they don't want to hear you, 
Don't get all bent out of a shape out of it. Don't beat them over the head with a stick. Just kind of move on. Keep it moving. And you're going to find people that uh, will want to hear from you. And in fact, uh, just share a quick testimony. This morning, I, I just went to the store. I was running late. I needed to, to finish up this talk. And I had no time to, uh, to but I had to run some grocery errands. Didn't pick them up yesterday respect to the Sabbath and got them this morning. Then I'm in uh, Kroger's getting the short list though. And I'm, I'm rolling out the door and I heard uh, one of the workers saying to her uh, friend, ah, I just can't sleep. I'm having trouble falling asleep. And uh, I actually went out the door and all of a sudden the spirit went, put, put a break on me. He says, you need to go talk to her. So I went back and I just said for a minute, I said, I, I couldn't help it over here. You're having trouble sleeping. She says, well, I fall asleep real quick. She said, but I get up at two in the morning and I can't fall back asleep. I just stay up at two and, and my body wants to go. And I says, do you, do you read the Bible? She goes, every day I'm reading it. So I'm, I'm excited. I found somebody that's at least reading the Bible. It always gets me uh, excited. If you want to know what gets Kurt excited, that's one of them find somebody else that's reading the Bible. And she goes, I'm reading it. Uh, I said, but did you read it at night? She goes, no, I don't read it at night. And I said, well, just try this. I says, it works for my daughter. And I told her, I said, when you can't fall asleep, pick up the book of Psalms and just start reading. I said, by the time you get to the fifth Psalm, you will be asleep. And she said, thank you for that. that, that that's real encouraging. And I, I'm going to try it. So Sometimes they hear you. Sometimes you can have a dialogue and it's a very uplifting experience. But you got to rely on that Ruach. I was not going back in there. I was busy. And, but I felt the brakes get on me and I went back and, and Yah rewarded me. So to, uh, the, this aspect about here means to comprehend, to understand critically that you get that. Because we're all hearing. We're hearing a lot of noise in this world, a lot of background noise. But he wants us to hear our teacher. Yah wants, the Father wants us to hear our teacher, Yeshua. And, and you catch this pretty uh, evidently in John chapter 8, verse 43 to 45. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Now, there are people in the world that match that description. They were present back 2,000 years ago, and they're still around even today. So, again, when you run into somebody like that, keep it moving. Yeshua, you know, he spoke it. He gave him, he, he was inclined to, because these were the, the priests. These guys should have known better. They knew what the truth was. But they were listening to a different leader, different Elohim. They weren't listening to the Father. They weren't listening to their Torah. Well, there is a, a, a Hebraic saying. I know this group knows it. Shema, O Yisrael. And that saying means to hear and to obey and do it's a more it's more than just hear it physically it means to do it to understand it and then to uh, obey it and again this concept has been around in the old testament from time immemorial isaiah 28 
verse 23, give ear and hear Shema, my voice. Listen and Shema, my speech. That was Yahuwah speaking to his prophet. So Yeshua was saying the same things. He was a prophet like unto Moshe. So I've got some homework for this group. Um, I'm also going to call it or discuss by a campfire. It's for reading and reflection. Because all these, these verses that I'm going to share with you right now have that phrase. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There could be more of them, but I found it uh, in uh, the parab a parable on a sower. And that's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. That's a pretty important one. When you're seeing three chapters uh, devoted to a parable, that should be a huge red flag to, uh, to get into that one and really study that one. Matthew 11, 1 through 19, that's a parable on John the Immerser. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 7, 1 through 23, a parable on washing hands. Luke 14, 25 to 35, a parable on salt. And Revelation 2, 129, a warning to the churches. So remember, there's sometimes, there are comparisons sometimes, but sometimes there are a warning. So he gave that one in a warning to the churches. So if you want to have some fun around the campfire, pull that one out and talk about that. In Revelation 3, 122, another warning to the churches. I want to encourage you, do not be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. Be like our, our little buddy Emmett here, who if you're looking on Zoom, he's not afraid to ask questions. And scripture says the same thing. It's in Matthew 7 through 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. That's a promise from Yeshua. Call him on that promise. You got to ask him, though. Because if you don't ask, you may not receive. He may give it to you. But if you really want to make sure, certain you got to, you got to ask the questions. So this Bible study is intended for the disciples of Yahushua. And I encourage Bet Yeshurun to keep searching for the ancient way of Yahuwah and to keep walking along that way. As we read in Matthew 13, 11, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So again, look, think about that. That's because they're asking. He's giving them mysteries about the kingdom of heaven. So it starts with a question. And it starts by asking Yah. And, you know, and you're going to see that, uh, that pattern as it repeats. Here's Matthew 13, 16 through 17. It goes on a little bit later. It goes, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous desire to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. So again, think about, he's speaking to his disciples there. But again, because we have the word, we have the scriptures, he's speaking to us too. We are his disciples. We're in a position, I always used to wonder, are we better off than the prophets, you know, the time of the prophets? and and. And ultimately, I came to the conclusion, we are, because we have the book. 
we have the word. They didn't have it. In fact, some of them couldn't even read. We're blessed to be able to read. So if, you, if you've been blessed with the ability to read, you ought to pick that book up. And I know this group probably gets tired of me always saying, read the scripture, read the scripture. How are you doing? You know, follow. But I cannot encourage, there's probably nothing more important in your exercise than to read that word. So let's get into understanding that uh, the parable on a sower, because that's what we're going to do here. We're just going to practice. We're going to look at that one. That, that sower parable had three uh, gospel accounts of it. So I think that's pretty important. And in fact, uh, one of the disciples had an interesting question here. It's in Luke 8, 9 through 11. Then his disciples asked him, well, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of Elohim, but to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of Elohim. So he's going to reveal it to them because they're asking. So if you feel you're not catching these parables, don't feel bad. These are the disciples that were walking with them. They spent three and a, three years with them and still weren't getting it. So there's a little picture showing the seeding. Um, uh, I know that uh, many of us aren't farmers. And uh, I've enjoyed watching the neighbor out here to the Jones family uh, tilling his soil with a tractor and all the dusty stirring up. And, and, and what he had planted out there, I was able to see some of the corn stalks. And uh, he doesn't plant seeds like I'm showing in this picture. I'm showing a, a hand throwing sprinkling seeds out in the field. That is how they did it 2,000 years ago. So when he was talking about a parable of the sower, and that's what the disciples were seeing. They weren't picturing some some tractor, you know, uh, tilling the soil and then driving later and, and filling up a furrow with uh, corn seeds. They were picturing a scattering of seeds, you know, uh, probably the wheat seeds that are right there, uh, wheat kernels. And um, put up here now, the seed is Yahushua. That's what we just heard, right? The seed is the word of Elohim. So that is Yahushua. That means the sower is Yahuwah Elohim. It's his dad. His dad put him out on the earth. His dad sprinkled him on the earth. And we're going to talk about more what he was doing on the earth in this, because we need to come to understand this parable. He's giving us the entire story of his mission here on earth. He's revealing it to us. If you have uh, ears to hear or eyes to see. Now, Mark 4, 13 through 14, uh, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So again, put yourself in those disciples' shoes. They still didn't get it. Okay, if you didn't get it, keep working at it. You're going to get this. He's very patient. He's given us three different trans, uh, versions in the Gospels. We, we can figure this out. You can figure it out on your own. We're actually going to practice today and go through it and maybe help you know, get jump started a little bit. John. 3, 13 through 16. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, the son of man who is in heaven, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For Elohim did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So that's my uh, scriptural evidence for you, that it was the heavenly father that sowed the seed, put the word of, of, of Elohim onto earth. Let's go into understanding now uh, the parable about uh, a sower. The best place to find understanding is when Yeshua actually goes and gives the answer to the question. And we find that here in Matthew 13, 19 through 22. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, then the wicked comes and snatches away what, what is sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. If you're looking online, I put a, a nice little artist rendition of this, and it's saying it's, it's a little picture saying some fell upon a rock, some fell upon thorns, some fell by the wayside. I love that word, wayside. You know, this is a, a, a Bible study about the way. So remember that little area off to the side in the wilderness? That's the wayside. There are people trying to walk down the road. They're, they're wandering in the wilderness. We're staying on, for the moment, on the paved ground. That, that, uh, you probably remember that mountain. It's going to get tougher. Okay, we're on, a, we're on a flat stretch. We don't realize it, but we're actually on a, on a paved area, paved way. But we're preparing. We're getting prepared. And then some fell on good ground. Here's where he explains what the good ground is. So in other words, that sower parable is revealing four types of soils. That's what you need to understand, soils. And what are soils? What do soils represent spiritually, scripturally? A little bit more, close. Anybody know what uh, soil, anima, represents? Bodies, humans, people, right? People, all kinds of people, right? Soil is filled with grains of soil. So it's all people. But now they're in four buckets. I want you to get that, that they fall into four categories. That's, that's the, and here's a picture. Uh, did I, read? I didn't read this one. This is Matthew 13, 23. I want to read. But he who receives seed on the good ground, call that soil one, is, is he who hears the word and understands, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Oh, duh. I four soils, six different kinds of humans that we're going to get into. Yes, and I'm I'm coming to that. So, so this is the earth the right now. So in fact, I, I posted this up here in scripture. The number four represents the world, and and I'm going to uh, remind you of what the soils are. Soil one, calling good ground. Soil two is by the wayside. And here's a passage about soil two by the wayside. John 12, 37 through 41. Although he had done so many signs before them, soil too, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. I deny who has believed our report. To whom 
as the arm of Yahuwah been revealed. Therefore, they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with eyes, lest they should understand with hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. That's that, that group two. And a parable, sower parable, speaks of two other soil types. Soil three is on stony places. And this, there's a passage about that too, John 12, 42 through 48. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they, calling them soil three, loved the praise of men more than the praise of Elohim. Yahushua cried out and he said, he who believes on me, believes not on me, but on him who sent me. He that sees me sees him who sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words, hear my words, and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and receives not my words as one, as one that judges him. In the last soil, I want to, the fourth type of soil I want to bring to your attention is the, the one that's among the thorns. And so there will be a final exam on these things too. So just have to remember all these. <laughs> they might have a cahoot someday and they'll need to identify each of these soils. And it's in Mark 10, 23 through 25. Yahushua looked about and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of Elohim. Disciples were astonished at his words, but he answered again to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches, that's soil four, to enter the kingdom of Elohim. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of Elohim. So those are the four types of soils, but that sower parable also reveals six types of people. So I want you to, and because in scripture, the number six represents humanity. And we're going to review those for you. The unfruitful types, there's three of them that were in that parable. Type one is those who never accept the word of Elohim's kingdoms. I term those the unbelievers. They just are not going to believe anything. That's where they are. Type two human being. Those who hear but reject the word of Elohim's kingdom. And I call those the deceivers. And then the third type of human, he said, those who hear the word but accept worldly teachings. I'm referring to those as the deceived. Now, there's three fruitful types. Remember those three? These are hearers who understand the word and produce spiritual fruit a hundredfold. Type five, hearers who understand the word and produce spiritual fruit 60-fold. The sixth type of human is hearers who understand the word and produce spiritual fruit, 30-fold. But I want you to get that picture. We're not all going to produce the same amount of fruit. That doesn't mean you should say, well, I'm not going to bother producing any fruit then because I can't produce that much. Let Yah do what it needs to do with you to produce fruit. You may be one of the blessed ones to go the hundredfold. And also keep in mind, when you're producing those supernatural fruit, first thing people are going to be doing is yanking them off the deal. So if you've got love, the first thing you're going to do is test your love. 
and start yanking down that spiritual fruit. Remember, those are supernatural fruits. Humans are going to want them, and they'll take them. That's okay. Your job is to produce them because the Father is glorified when you do. Matthew 13, 51, Yahushua said to them, have you understood all these things? They, his disciples, say to him, yea, Adonai. So my prayer is that Yeshurun also can say, yea, Adonai. I understand this. So are parable. So to all the disciples growing on good ground, also ask that you pray for Elohim's blessing of light and living water to yield much fruit. He's the one that's causing the fruit to grow. It's his light. It's his living water. We just serve him. Isaiah 44, 3-4. Prophet reveals it. Goes, for I, it's Yahuwah speaking through him. For I will pour water upon him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. Hallelujah. Also, I'm asking this uh, group of disciples that I consider growing on good ground that you pray for Elohim's mercy on those who have landed on bad ground. Yeah, and that uh, I'm praying that you um, ask Yah to move them, transplant them off the bad ground. Uh, and some of the bad ground is uh, false ways of life. It's not Yah's way of life. It's the false ways of life. And from the unbearable trials, there's some uh, we've read, right, that are going to get pressured and they're just going to give up the way because they don't want to face uh, um, the people that are going against them, the opponents. And there's going to be trials and tribulations. So we need we need to pray for each other, too, because these are going to be some tough trials and tribulations. And the last thing is to, to pray for is from the lust of the flesh. I mean, all those distractions in the world, whether it's money or uh, anything you can imagine, there's a lot of forces at work that are trying to keep us spiritual fruit. Isaiah 44, 5 through 9. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your seed from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I formed him. Yea, I made him. Bring forth the blind who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all nations be gathered together. Let people be assembled. So hallelujah. Beautiful picture is exactly what's going on here. We came from all over southeast Michigan to, to gather here in Dundee. And he drew us into Bet Yesharun. Uh, it's, it's remarkable to me. And when I just sit back and watch the talented people and uh, the, the people that are really seeking Yah come in to Bet Yesharun, not just pass through the doors, we get some of those too, but stick and hang in there and encourage each other and keep trying to learn. So, disciples, I want you to be grateful. Yahushua Sower parable. And may Elohim's blessed revelations enable us to share the good news of Yah's heavenly kingdom with our families, friends, neighbors, and the world. That's my prayer. In Isaiah 42, 6 through 7.
for I will pour water upon him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing on your offspring. It's a repeat, but I couldn't avoid it. So I want you, I'm encouraging you to go forth on Messiah's way. I've got the picture up of the, the road. The road is heading right into the, the sunrise and got it's a starting point. Some of you are well down that road, I know, but just because that sun's blinding us on the road, you know, get our, keep going, keep, keep walking. I want to close with uh, Paul's admonition to the Hebrews in uh, chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Yahushua, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of Elohim, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, especially as we see the day approaching. And now come to the break time. No one likes that, but we can shut down the Zoom recording. Also open it up for questions.